this. On behalf of the Caulfield family, I want to thank all of you for attending this service as we come to remember and honor the life of Bob Caulfield. Also, the family is very grateful for all the friends and all the co-workers, all the hunting and fishing friends that he had, that you attended this service today and came and pay your respects to the Caulfield family on behalf of Bob. I want to let you know as well that Bob's mother, Miss Lorraine, is not able to attend this service. Um, she's at home right now, but she is with us in spirit. And so please keep her in prayer today as we honor Bob's life during this service. Robert Bob Lee Caulfield was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana on September 26th, 1955. And he was a long-term resident of Claiborne County, Mississippi. He passed away on February 1st, 2024 in Quitman, Mississippi after a lengthy illness. At an early age, Bob moved to Centerville and later attended William Winus Attendance Center. He also attended the Silliman Institute in Clinton and Centerville Academy until he graduated in 1973. Bob really enjoyed playing baseball. He played infield and outfield except for pitcher and catcher. He was also proud to make the Dixie Youth All-Stars for three years. And he never found a stream or a river or a pond or a lake that he was not willing to fish. He especially enjoyed fishing in the Mississippi River. Another pastime he enjoyed was hunting, whether it be for raccoon, squirrel, or deer. In 1975, Bob married Phyllis Arnold and had their beloved son, Bobby. In the providence of God and after various events, it was in 1983 that Bob married Tammy Ladner. And since Bob was a dedicated Old Miss fan, Old Miss fan, he married Tammy during the Egg Bowl that year. It was the game in which a gush of wind prevented Mississippi State from making a winning field goal and pushing the ball back onto the field into play. Thus, Bob was glad to get married on the same day that Ole Miss won. <laughs> Bob spent 45 years in the lumber industry, and he took a lot of pride in his work. He was dedicated to working long hours and even working on weekends. The only thing that pulled him away from his job was the illness that led to his retirement. Bob was the son of Lorraine and Henry J. Caulfield. He is preceded in death by his father, his brother Ben Caulfield, his nephews Jason Holyfield and Justin Sawyer. He is survived by his mother, Miss Lorraine Caulfield, his son Robert L. Caulfield of Centerville, his brothers Buck Caulfield of Houston, Texas, and Jay Caulfield and his wife, Wanda, of Jackson, Mississippi, his sisters, Penny Sawyer, and her husband, David, of Liberty, and Ellen Jones, and her husband, Billy, of Liberty. He is also survived by his nephews, Jonathan Sawyer, and his wife, Libby, and David Holyfield, and his wife, Kelly, and Christopher Holyfield, and Dusty Jones and his wife, Jessica, and Matthew Caulfield, as well as nieces, Nicole Jones and Caitlin Edmondson, and her husband, Matt. 
He is also survived by his aunt, Betty Duck of Liberty, and numerous cousins, grandnephews, and grandnieces. The Caulfield family would like to thank Tammy Ladner for all of her remarkable and heartfelt care. And they would also like to thank the nurses and doctors of Compassus Hospice. At this time, I'd like to read from the 91st Psalm. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall, shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the, the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we gather before your throne of grace because we need your grace and your presence in this hour. We come before you, Lord, for your consolation, for your comfort, and for your word to speak to our hearts. As we mourn the passing of our loved one into glory, Father, we mourn in this life because we live under the veil of tears. We live under the shadow of the valley of death. And we need the peace of Christ and his conquering death and resurrection to grant us the comfort of the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ has truly conquered this world and that death is nothing but a sleep for believers in Christ Jesus. For Jesus Christ has conquered death so much that he has mitigated his power so that in the resurrection to come, there will be brand new bodies, a brand new earth, brand new creation. And we look forward to that day, Lord, in which you will truly wipe every tear from our eyes. For now, Lord, we pray for your spirit, the presence of Christ, and for your comfort for all of us, and especially for the extended Caulfield family. It is in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you take your hymnal, you'll see 
we're going to sing this hymnal. It's a, it's the one on the pew, in the pew, uh, on the pew in front of you. Great is thy faithfulness. And you'll find this, let us stand and sing. No, hymn number 43. may be seated. I'd like to read from three brief passages here in the Gospel of John. This is Jesus speaking in John chapter 5. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, 
He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Chapter 10, then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he is not the shepherd. One who does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I had the power to lay it down, and I had the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. In chapter 14, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. As you remain seated, please take your hymnal and open to In the Garden. This is found on page 425. 
to read from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. My agenda in reading and preaching through this passage of Scripture is twofold. I want to explain what this meant for the Apostle Paul when he first wrote it, and then I want to apply it to Bob Caulfield. Paul says, For I am already being poured out, as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but to also to those who have loved his appearing. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for your illumination of this passage of Scripture, that you'll give us your comfort and your insight in how it applies to us at this time. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. When the Apostle Paul wrote this passage of Scripture, he was in prison. This is there in the time of, of Nero, who was a brutal dictator over Rome. Paul's in a Roman prison cell. 
And most likely he has heard about the execution orders that he will be executed soon after writing this letter. We know from church history that he died from being beheaded. He understood that that's how he would die. And that's probably why he wrote what he wrote in verse 8, that he was already being poured out as a drink offering. In the Old Testament, one of the offerings that they would make, you put wine in a, in a, in a glass, and instead of you drinking it, you would pour it out to the Lord. The Apostle Paul, his body would literally pour out the wine of blood. There's a relationship in the Bible between wine and blood. This is why in the Lord's Supper, we, when you drink the wine, it's symbolizing drinking the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So quite literally and physically, the Apostle Paul knows that his body is going to be pouring out blood whenever he dies. And then he says this, that the time of his departure is at hand. It's very important because death is not the end. It's more like a doorway where you leave this room, you leave this chamber, and you depart, and you go upstairs, literally, to the highest of heavens. Uh, God has three corridors in creation. There's the angel heavens, there's the starry heavens that we see above us, and then there's the earth zone that we walk on. Whenever we depart this earth zone, our soul ascends beyond the starry heavens, and goes up there into the angel heavens in the presence of Jesus Christ, in the presence of all the other departed saints. So that's what Paul is, has in, in front of him, right before him. And then Paul looks over to, back, looks for, uh, to the past in verse 7, and he, he gives three famous quotes here. Number one, he says, I fought the good fight. Well, for the Apostle Paul, the good fight was striving for the truth of Christ. And notice it's a good fight. There's many people who fight fights, but they're not good fights. They're not worthy to fight. They're useless. But for Paul, fighting for the faith was the good fight. He had opposition on all sorts, all sorts of, from all sorts of people, from all obstacles. And he gives a list of that and even in 2 Corinthians. And then he says, I finished the race. He's finished the race because he understands he's coming to the end of his life. As you well know, life is like a race. There is a beginning and there is an ending. There's an ending where God has that time appointed. And truth be known, only God knows the ending of each man's race. But the goal is, is to finish it. Go from A to B. Go from the A to Z, rather. Go from all the way from the beginning, all the way to the end, fighting the good fight, and finishing the race. And for the Apostle Paul, his particular race, I would suggest to you, is finishing the Scripture. In the Apostles' generation, they needed to write down the faith, the Word of God, because after that generation, you cannot add to the Bible. There's no additional revelation that is God revealing Himself and adding pages to the Bible. Most likely, John, the apostle, wrote the book of Revelation before 2 Timothy. And from my studies of Scripture, I would suggest that 2 Timothy is probably actually the last book of the Bible written. Because 
Paul talks about the Bible being put together earlier in 2 Timothy, where he talks about a book jacket that he was working on and putting manuscripts together. And that book was sacred scripture for the church. So Paul's race was peculiar to him in the sense that he was an apostle. None of us are the apostles like Paul. No apostles came after the apostolic generation, but they handed down the faith that was once delivered for all the saints for the rest of time. That was Paul's race. And then personally, Paul, he kept the faith. He kept believing. Even though he comes to the end of his life and is going to be martyred, he sees that this is not a defeat, but just simply an end. Why does he believe that? Because Jesus' death was not a defeat. Jesus' death was his victory over the world. And this, this indication of victory, even in death, and keeping the faith all the way to the end, is carried over into verse 8. He says that there's laid up for him the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give to him. This word crown here is the word Stephanos. It's where we get the name for Stephen. The word Stephen, what it means is you get, if you win the race, if you win, you get that crown, that Stephanos on your, on your head. So Paul understands that Jesus Christ is going to give him this crown, this Stephen, this Stephanos on his head because you finished it. It's a righteousness that the Apostle Paul, uh, that Christians show and demonstrate by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then Paul knows that this is not just simply for him or the apostles. He extends it for the rest of time. At the very end of verse 8, he says, And not only to me, but also Jesus is going to give this crown to everyone who has loved his appearing. This extends to all of us who have trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ also has that crown of victory. So no matter how, how much we, no matter how we finish the race, whether it comes through illness, a surprise, an execution like Paul, unexpectedly, well, however we ascend up into glory, when we ascend into glory with faith in Christ, Christ gives us that crown. And that's what Bob talked about toward the end of his life with his brother Jay. Jay explained to me how Bob talked about his faith, dependence, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ toward, and was looking forward to being with the Lord. I would suggest to you a similar parallel that Bob has with the apost- or had with the Apostle Paul. Paul talks about being poured out. It's an act of giving, being poured out like a drink offering. When I heard stories of how Bob worked often and too often, and I kept thinking that his employer would have loved to have a a bunch of Bobs on their team who were working hard, and he gave his life in his workforce. He poured himself out When when it comes to working in the timber industry. You could not accuse him of being lazy. And so Paul poured himself out like the Apostle Paul is being talked about here, being pouring himself out. Bob fought the good fight all from the, from the beginning to the end. And then he finished the race that God marked out before him. And then he also kept the faith. 
When you think about those virtues, that's something that you can implement. That's something that should encourage you as well. That's something that even the Apostle Paul wanted to hand down from generation to generation as he inscribed this last part of Scripture and then sent it in the mail to Timothy so that Timothy would be encouraged as he read this last epistle from the Apostle Paul. So as we read it, let that encourage us to do the same. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word that was written by the apostles in the time of the apostles so that for once for all, the faith, the truth of Jesus Christ would be delivered to the world and that Christians from generation to generation until this final coming of Christ would be encouraged with your inspired word, would take comfort in times of sorrow and would have hope for eternal glory. And Lord Jesus, we look forward to that great day of ascension. Whenever the souls of the saints will depart from this lower chamber and go up into the upper throne room to sit with Christ, to reign with the saints, and to be with all the angels in glory. And comfort us even now, Lord, as we mourn the passing of Bob. Comfort us, Lord, with the gospel truth of the reality of heaven and that we are safe and secure in the hands of our Heavenly Father, as Jesus Christ said in John chapter 10. In His name we pray, our Lord and Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. At this time, we will have some special music. Receive now the Lord's gracious benediction as you are dismissed. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word 
and work. Amen.